Good morning. What we just did, me saying something and you all responding, is going to be in keeping with what goes on in the message today. I'll explain what I'm talking about in just a minute here. Today is going to be especially interactive. Um, we are not exactly the uh, emotive, interactive type of congregation typically, but we're going to do it a little differently here today. Uh, and we're going to read our scripture uh, sort of as part of the sermon. So I'll, I'll explain that interactivity in just a moment here. Uh, before we head into that, it's time for our memory verse. For those of you who have been with us during this Hebrew series, that next little portion that we're trying to do today is uh, that next section here in verse 16 where it says, to the throne of grace. That's our next little section we're memorizing for today. So let's go ahead and just at least a couple times go through everything we've memorized up to this phrase, including this phrase, to the throne of grace. Okay, starting at verse 14. Ready? Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. One more time, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I really think a number of you are getting this memorized. That's great. That's great. Uh, don't forget, as a friendly reminder, uh, we're challenging you throughout this series to read through Hebrews uh, once a week during this series. Sounds like a lot, I know. When I'm reading it, it typically takes me about 45-ish minutes. I've heard from a number of you um, that I uh, apparently read faster than I think I do um, because it takes uh, some of y'all more than that. Um, if you don't get to it every week, who cares? Pick it up next week. Um, I did not get to it this week, so uh, count me among those of us who, uh, who didn't. But uh, the reason we do this is so that we continue to maintain that practice of getting the Word in us. Do not neglect Scripture reading as a vital part of your relationship with Christ. You don't need me to tell you that, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, whatever you do as a Christian, don't let prayer and the Word slip Prayer and the Word and regular worship are those things that start to slip away, that, that drift away in the life of believers. We don't want to let the basics slip. We even say it as part of our, our mission. We talk about celebrating God, cultivating growth, communicating the gospel. That middle section of cultivating growth means creating a space in our hearts and in our minds where the Spirit of God can work on us. And that means prayer and the Word have to be a regular part of cultivating growth. 
in our relationships with God and with one another. Let's go ahead and pray together as we jump into the text this morning. Lord God, we're gathered in your name asking, as you've promised, that your Holy Spirit would be with us in a special way today, that you would be our counselor, that you would be our guide, that you would teach us through your word this morning, that you would teach us what it means to be people of faith. to be people who who live on that edge of being led by your Spirit in our lives. Instead of just being people who believe certain things. Make of us, Lord, active, lively, growing believers who demonstrate with what we do and what we say that your faith is leading us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We'll jump into the text in just a second, but I want to just reiterate something we've been saying along the way here in Hebrews. As as you'll recall, we've been saying all along in Hebrews that our study of Hebrews is like a sermon. This book in Hebrews was probably a sermon first. It was obviously written down. I mean, we're reading it now. But... But it was likely first preached as a sermon. And I'm not just making this up. Uh, These kind of sermon-like qualities are evident here in chapter 11, uh, maybe more than anywhere else in the book of Hebrews. The preacher here at this point in Hebrews 11 is starting to get a little fired up. He's been talking about these theological truths about Christ as our great high priest for chapter after chapter. And and he's working up to a crescendo here in chapter 11 and chapter 12. Beautiful chapters here. Here in chapter 11, there is sort of this poetic cadence going on here. You can almost hear the preacher talking in chapter 11. There's this, this sort of panoramic sweep of the history of faith in God that is being uh, preached here in chapter 11. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever heard a good old school black preacher? Anybody of you ever? There we go. Got some hands there. There we go. Well, then you'll understand what is meant by this old saying that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you here in just a second. There's this, this old saying among many African-American preachers about how to preach a good sermon. It goes something like this. Start low, go slow, reach higher, strike fire, and sit down in a storm. Now, if you've ever heard some good old school African-American preacher, you'll know they start low, they go slow. What's next? They reach higher, they strike fire, something like that. They start low, they go slow, they reach higher, they strike fire, and when they sit down, there's a storm going on. So today, we're going to do our sermon a little bit like that today. We're going to do our scripture reading as part of the sermon. And we're going to have a little black church revival hour today. 
Instead of just one time at the beginning where we're reading the scripture and then I'm talking about it and going through and explaining it, we're going to be interactive in a way that we're not usually interactive today. So whenever I ask, by what, I'm going to say, by what? And you're going to say, by faith. All right? So let's practice. By what? By faith. Yes. (laughs) I was afraid I was going to, okay, let's try this again. It's good. Somebody down here said, I had no faith in your ability to. That's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to say, by what? And you'll respond, by faith. Okay? Now, if you've simply at least glanced at the text for today in chapter 11, then you know that faith is an important theme throughout this chapter. By what? By faith. Nice. Now, if I counted correctly, the word faith in all of its forms in this chapter occurs at least 28 times in 40 verses. This chapter has been called lots of different things. The Hall of Faith, the Saints Hall of Fame, the Heroes of Faith, the Honor Roll of the Old Testament Saints, uh, one of my favorites, the Westminster Abbey of Scripture, and uh, the Faith Chapter. Faith is the glue that holds together chapter 11 and much of Hebrews. Here in chapter 11, this, this theme of faith is the refrain to which the preacher will constantly return. Now, just like, just like that black preacher, the preacher here starts low with a definition of the term faith in the first three verses here. And then he starts to ramp it up just a little bit. He's still going slow, but in verses 4 to 12 there, he methodically marches on in sort of an unhurried cadence of names and events, a sort, of, a sort of rhythmic chronicle of heroes of the faith in days gone by. And then the pace starts to quicken and the pulse races in the sanctuary as it is filled with stories of prophets and of saints and of those who have demonstrated courage and been martyrs of the faith from before. And then at the end, as as one Bible nerd here says, he says, this passage by the end glows with the white heat of fiery relevance as the preacher summons the congregation to join the march, to lift high the cross, and to run the great race with faith and with hope. So join me in verse 1. Here we get a twofold definition of faith. I'm going to give you some things if you're taking notes at the beginning here to write down and then we'll talk about the passage here. It says this, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, the version I use, the English Standard Version, says that faith is the assurance. It uses that word assurance of things hoped for. It uses it as a noun. Uh, many of you are probably reading the NIV, the New International Version, where it says faith is being sure of what we hope for. That word assurance or being sure here is a noun. It's actually a noun, and it's used to communicate the idea of substance. 
of firmness, of confidence. In fact, that word comes from a word that means a collection of documents that establishes ownership. It's a guarantee. That assurance is a guarantee or a proof. So faith, as we're learning in Hebrews, faith is the proof of our hope. It's not just this this set of right doctrine and belief. Faith, when lived out, is the proof of our hope. If you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down right here. Faith is a hope that is rooted in the proof of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We've been explaining all along here for chapter after chapter chapter about, about what Jesus did for us as our great high priest. Our memory verse talks about how he passed through the heavens. He was the sacrifice himself who showed himself perfect to God as our great high priest and sacrifice. So when I say the person and work of Jesus, I mean that he did that for us. The substance of his Being our great high priest is what we can have faith in. It's rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is our proof. There's one one commentator I read that said this. That word assurance, or being sure in verse 1, it could be thought of, and I like this phrase, it could be thought of as a calm courage. A calm courage. I don't know if you're like me, but I suspect that you are. I could use a little more calm courage in my life. What a great place to be in one's life. A calm courage. If you're taking down notes, write faith equals calm courage rooted in the proof of Christ. Faith equals calm courage rooted in the proof of Christ's person and work. We could even say that that first part of verse 1 is this. Now, faith is the calm courage of what we hope for. It's sort of a, a resolute confidence in the promises of God. Even though, as we read here, even though these believers that we'll read about had not yet received the fulfillment of the promises of God. They were calm because they aren't freaking out thinking, you know, God's not going to take care of me. They had courage because that kind of, that kind of faith involved serious cost and sometimes the supreme sacrifice that we'll read about. So the, that first half of this definition of faith is that there's a resolute confidence that's rooted in the proof of Jesus Christ's work for us that we have. The second half is that second phrase in verse 1. The conviction of things not seen. This idea of conviction is included in that previous word, assurance or substance. But it adds this simple idea. Calm courage doesn't just sit there by itself as a set of doctrines or beliefs. Lots of people believe right things, but it doesn't usher forth in a life of faith. 
You can have faith that the things that you believe are good and right and true and come from the character and nature of God. But what good, Hebrews is saying, what good is that kind of faith if it does not usher forth in something that comes out of your mouth and your arms and your hands and your pocketbook and the way you live your life? Faith, as Hebrews is telling us in chapter 11, it does something. It goes somewhere. It's not a static emotion of complacent belief. It's something lively and active. It's a vital, living, breathing, moving, active kind of life. The cool thing about this is that Hebrews 11 gives us example after example after example of people whose faith was active, who was demonstrated in how they lived their lives. So, with this definition of faith in the background, let's allow the text to kind of preach itself today. So, get ready, because we're going to take a pretty quick ride, uh, train ride through uh, Hebrews 11 here. Now that we have the definition of faith, let's see how it's worked out in the lives of people. Verse 2, for by what? It says it on my version right here. You can leave that up. It says it right here on uh, verse 2, but that's just a pronoun for faith. For by faith, they received their commendation. By it, the people of old received their commendation. The people of old is all those generations of people that went before us. For the nerds, it's presbyteroi. It's that same word we use for elders. But this isn't about the office of elders. This is about everybody of old who came before demonstrating faith. It means that they received the approval of God. Wouldn't that be something that in your life would help establish for you firm confidence that your life is what your life is supposed to be about. The approval, the commendation of God, that your faith is working. That's what the ancients had. Now, this isn't a works-based righteousness whereby their faith gives them the right standing with God, but it's the opposite. It's right standing with God produces a life of faith. And these people of old are a testimony of God's faithfulness to them and their faithfulness to God. So, here we go. Verse 3, by what? By faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By what? Verse 4, by faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By what? By faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken... He was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. By what? By faith. By faith, 
Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by what? By faith. By By what? (laughs) Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By what? By By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By what? By faith, faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That is God, faithful who had promised. Verse 12, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, that's Abraham, not God, from one man were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking out a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Verse 17, by what? By faith. faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, his son. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By what? By faith, faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob Jacob and Esau. By what? By faith, faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By what? By By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By what? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By what? By faith, faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By what? By faith faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By what? By By faith 
He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Verse 29, by what? By faith. The people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By what? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By what? By faith, faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword. The people who went before us went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, afflicted, mistreated. They were those of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountain, mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I have one last by faith for you, and it's in the form of a question. With all of those people we've read about and heard about throughout history, millions of people before us, have gone in the name of Jesus Christ, living by faith. So what is God calling you and me and this congregation to do that demonstrates that your lives are by faith? Do you even know the answer to that question? Is that question so strange and foreign that you don't even know what's meant by it? What is God calling you and us to do as a church, as individuals, as families? What is God calling you to do? 
to show that your life is lived by faith in Jesus Christ alone? How do you answer that question? Let's pray. Lord God, we stand at the foot of the cross now asking for your forgiveness that we have put faith in so many pathetic things compared to your perfect righteousness. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to compel us to be the people of God called by the name of Jesus Christ to live lives that demonstrate that our claim is not empty, that we do not live in fear, but we are people who, because of those who have gone before, who demonstrate in their lives, that you have gone before because we come from a long line of people before us. We want to live lives that communicate the gospel by who we are, by what we do, by how we spend our money, by the way we use our time, by kind words aptly spoken, by how we think. Father, we ask that you would continue to reform us, to reshape us after your image so that we would live lives that demonstrate your faithfulness to us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We would like to invite you, if you're looking for a church home, As a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, if you're looking for a church home where you can learn to live life by faith, we want to ask you to come forward in just a moment. And if you would like to come forward and to declare publicly your faith in Christ and in Christ alone by declaring that for you in the waters of baptism, we'd 